getting married. Soon. We're going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. I feel like we were a little, I think, uh, laggy there. So I was holding out the It married. sounded good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it sounded good. Other <laughs> people are like, yikes. <laughs> Um, but yes, I have. I'm having a springtime wedding, and so it is coming up, and so love is in the air. And so we decided. I decided that we should. We we should say. Yeah, we should say some things about love about in the love. form of your ghost stories, because this is an encounters episode, and we pulled some that have to do with love. And do you want to introduce our podcast? Oh, this is two girls, one ghost. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne, Hello. the bride-to-be, and I am Sabrina, the friend who will be at the wedding. <laughs> the bridesmaid. The bridesmaid. There the one go. to distract the spirits away from Corinne so that they don't curse her. Exactly. That is my full purpose on your wedding weekend. You can wear your wedding dress to my wedding to confuse oh. the spirits. That's uh, uh, and maybe confuse all the guests too. Yes, I'm sure you would love that. Yeah, Sabrina and I were just having a conversation about how so many people hate wedding planning, and I'm like the one person that doesn't. I've enjoyed it. I am my own wedding planner. It's crazy to me, and I've had a great time. But it's because I like things to go my way and to be controlled. And this is my opportunity to control all aspects. The whole world. Here's the thing. I hate surprises, so I can't be surprised if I plan the whole thing, right? Except for at this point, I have surprised you. Yes. You, you in this very moment have not been surprised yet. But yes. But when this episode comes out, you would have been surprised. On Patreon. On Patreon. At my virtual bachelorette. Correct. I really have no idea what to expect. So everyone, if... Okay, this is a great time. Um, if you see the table or camera shaking, it is because Earthquake Leia just entered and exited the room, room as in the table. But this is a great time to tell people of multiple things. We have so many exciting things happening on our Patreon. Corinne and I, this past year and the time ahead of us looking forward into the future, are just going to be content creators. Full steam ahead. We have- Look at us. Influencer Sabrina, influencer Corinne. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I more meant podcast content because we're not influencing on anything. No, <laughs> we you must believe in spirits. <laughs> yeah, influencing a cult a little bit, but we yes. have two episodes a week that come out encounters and a regular episode. And we've started doing crossovers and collabs with all of our favorite podcasters, a lot of your favorite podcasters as well. So those are coming out once to twice a month. And now on Patreon, we are also having Campfire Stories weekly, every single Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. So if you join us on Patreon, you can listen to every single Campfire Stories live with us. You can come share your story with us, watch us on video. You can join with video or without to share your story. Um, You can also, if you join Patreon, listen back to all the previous Campfire Stories. And then if you join at the middle tier, we have an extra special bi-weekly episode called In Paranormal News, where yeah. we discuss all the things that are coming out in the news about the paranormal or things that are just new to us that we've just discovered. So if you're like, hey, 
I want to learn all about alien conspiracies and weird things celebrities have said about spirits. That's the place to go. It comes out yeah. every other Friday on Patreon if you're an ill-gotten booty popper or up. And then for overactive sagers, we also have a variety of other benefits, including all ad-free content. And Sabrina and I are really hoping to go on the road again. And if you're in that tier, you'll get a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, some vlogs. Do you mean only phantoms? What did I say? Overactive sagers, which is an old tier. Sorry, I meant only phantoms. (laughs) I'm all confused. That's okay. We... Basically, the whole point is that we have so much more content. If you want to hear, if you, if you, if three plus hours a week is just not enough for you, don't you worry. Kurt and I have so much more airspace that we are taking up. Yes, it wasn't enough for us either. So (laughs) we started doing more. (laughs) But we also, I, I feel like on the podcast, yes, we kind of talk about our personal lives and we have fun banter, but it's also very podcast. I mean, it's very paranormal. Uh, focused. And so on our Patreon, we're starting to add a little bit more of our personal interests and spending more quality time with us type of thing. So our live streams, our monthly live streams with Patreon, the only phantoms and above, like in May for Corinne's wedding, we are doing a bachelorette, a bachelorette. We've done baking cookies. What else have we done? We've just done so so many many things. things. We did book club painting. We tried to be abducted one time. Didn't work, sadly. But here's my alien. There you go. So it's just been really fun and we've just really appreciated the platform of Patreon and also all of you guys who are there too, because it's really nice to actually get to know everyone on a more personal level too. We We respond to all of your messages directly on Patreon. I know people try to message us on Instagram and we love that and we try to respond when we can but sometimes it gets uh, lost in the sauce. uh, Me, I'm lost in the sauce for sure. (laughs) Me too. My brain is not working, which is why I'm trying to drink miracle carrots. I'm like, come on, brain. Let's get it going. With your eyes too. What's wrong with my eyes? Carrots are supposed to be good. (laughs) See, my brain isn't working. (laughs) What you saying about my eyes today? All right. Well, maybe let's stop using our brains and let's just read words. Yeah. Great. Great. Do you want to go first? Sure. Thank you. Okay. This is titled, My Grandfather Died to See Me Get Married. Wait, that's mine. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to steal my stuff? Okay. This is called, My Dead Grandfather (laughs) Saved My Life and Love from the Other Side. Sorry, it's just all they are similar. Grandpa's. That's (laughs) sad. Okay. (laughs) Clearly, we were on the same wavelength, though. Okay. Hey, Ghostesses. One of my favorite things to do is to drive through mountain roads in the middle of the night while getting spooked by some good stories. Longtime listener, first-time emailer. I emailed you once last year, but I can't find record of it anywhere in my sent folder. Perhaps it wasn't time for you to hear my stories yet, but I have two, so buckle up. The first involves a near-death experience. I was 18 years old and had been hanging out at a friend's house playing Mario Kart until 3 a.m. Instead of crashing out there, I decided to drive home thinking that I wasn't tired and I was nearly dead wrong. I had been nodding off the entire drive home, but staying awake just enough to keep driving. 
I was less than a quarter mile from my house when I heard my grandfather, who had been dead for nine years at this point, screaming my name, telling me to wake up. Oh my gosh. I had just enough time to swerve out of the way before hitting a tree head on going 80 miles per hour. Oh my gosh. (sighs) My passenger side got scraped up terribly and my side view mirror had been knocked off, but there wasn't a scratch on me. This was my first experience with the paranormal and this would not be my last. Oh, this is one, Zach, I'm so glad you're okay. And I'm glad that your grandfather was able to help you. But this is just to me, like, if you're tired, it's just as dangerous to drive and it's always safer to just wait. I know. Get some sleep, pull off the road if you're tired, get some sleep before driving home. Well, and there's also that statistic and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like 80% of accidents happen within one mile of your home because you're so close. You're like, all your your body starts to relax. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You're, you think you're almost there. I was driving to work a couple of years ago and the person in front of me was falling asleep as they were driving. And I just had to keep, I like truly had to follow them and beep every time they started to swerve. It's so scary. It's so scary. And also it's like, what yeah. if someone's having a medical emergency too? Like that happened to my aunt. My cousin luckily was in the car when my aunt had a seizure while driving. Oh my gosh, that's and so scary. And my cousin <gasps> ran over, jammed the brake on and everything. and. Luckily, they were okay, but it's like sometimes things happen and there's no indication that this is going to happen and it just does and it's terrifying. (sighs) Yeah. Driving. Scary. (sighs) And then my aunt, when she had her seizure, she peed her pants and she could not wait to tell us in the emergency room that she got there. She's like, I peed my pants. (laughs) We were like, yeah, you almost died too, girl. Oh my gosh. Okay. A few years later, I had moved and was living with my parents in their pool house. When we toured the property before moving, there was a distinct coldness to the pool house. But seeing as the house was less than 10 years old, I thought nothing of it. For the next year, I fell asleep with my TV on. I started dating this person, and the first time they spent the night, I turned the TV off before going to sleep in the other room. Less than an hour later, roughly 3 a.m., my TV turned itself on and then turned the volume all the way up. My girlfriend asked me what was going on, and in my grogginess, I said, oh, that's just Doug. And then I rolled back over and went to sleep. The next morning, they asked me who Doug was, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Doug would make two more appearances over the next decade that I lived there. One morning, I was trapped in a bad sleep paralysis episode. I couldn't speak and felt like something was holding me down. Eventually, I was able to scream for help, and movement came back once other people entered the room. I forgot about Doug for a few years after this incident, but looking back, I think part of Doug's darkness was keeping me trapped in the house without being able to move forward in my life. We moved out of that house about a year later, and I wonder if Doug is still there and if his long game was to trap the next spirit so he could move on. Thank you guys so much for everything you do and giving us the space to share our stories. Next time, I will tell you about my multiple work ghosts. Have a spooktacular day, Zach. Okay, Zach. Well, well, the first story was very loving and kind, and I'm glad yes. that your grandfather helped save your life. I'm very confused by Doug, and it almost feels like a love-hate relationship happening with Doug. And why does Zach's or why did Zach's astral sleeping subconscious self know about Doug, but that his waking self did not until later? 
I mean, maybe that was the only way for the spirit to make itself known. And well, not known, but like its name known. Maybe it had no other, it hadn't really thought it through or perhaps the opportunity just presented itself to be like, oh, wait, now there's another person. His girlfriend is here. So now I can just announce myself and maybe Zach and I will grow closer. See, this is why I liked this story is because some when we think about love, oftentimes people think about romantic love, but it's also the love between your your household spirits and you. Yep. And also love from loved ones who've passed on that are just like fully looking out for you and yeah. caring for you and intervening whenever they can. I love that you are picturing Doug and Zach in love because it sounds like Zach doesn't want, didn't want the love that Doug was giving. I think Doug views it as a bromance. <laughs> and Zach Trying to trap know. Zach in the house and keep him Zach's forever. Like, is, it, is Doug trying to trap me here forever or perhaps the next poor soul? And Doug's just like, man, me and my best friend, we used to watch TV every night together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, well, I have a story. Let's talk about how I am all about feeding Leia. Well, I have a story that is a little bit more of the love, love, soulmate, wedding, marriage, that kind of thing. But it is also a little creepy. Okay. It is from our listener, Jay, they, them, and it is called a soulmate and soul fracture healing story. Hi ladies. I've been listening since the fourth episode and never felt I had a relevant enough story to email until now. I just finished encounters 168 and needed to write it. My stomach flipped when y'all were talking about fractured souls and having someone fill those fractures when you find them. This might be a little long, but My name is Jay, they, them. I'm a very sensitive person, both to the other side and to inclinations about things that will happen in the future. I experienced significant childhood trauma and spent most of my childhood and young adult very inside my head, which helped me get in touch with my gifts and my guides. I'm also a twin. From a very young age, I knew I had strong psychic connection with my twin. Our emotional connection is very limited and difficult though. Our difficult relationship was part of why I never thought soulmates were real. I assumed that if any human was going to be linked to me, it would have been my twin. Mm. After my twin and I finished high school, we both hightailed it out of our hometown and away from our dysfunctional family. When I stepped foot on campus, everything felt perfect. I finally fit in. I was super involved with a bunch of different clubs and was even able to come out as bisexual to my closest friends. One of my close friends, let's call him B, was nearly a perfect match for me. He was one of the first people I met on campus. We had the same major. We were both Latin American. We both left our family's religions. We had the same struggles with coming to terms with our bisexuality. B and I took classes together, did research in the same lab, trained in the off-season together, and even got on-campus jobs at the same place. I started trying to connect more with my ancestors because B and I's relationship felt so strong and special, and I had questions. There was one big downside, though. B and I had zero physical chemistry. He was like a brother. Aww. (laughs) But that's okay. Like, Corinne, you and I, I feel like are soulmates, and we have a lot of similarities, but 
not physically attracted to each other. And you don't have mm-hmm. to be physically attracted to all of your and that's not to say, Corinne, I do think you're beautiful. <laughs> I really, I really think you're no, very I stunning. Mean, there's very few people that I've ever been sexually attracted to. So it's not Bigfoot a normal thing. Only one of them. If I looked more like Bigfoot, I would expect you to be attracted to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I almost take that as a compliment. Oh, I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Okay. The summer before our senior year, we got internships at the same research lab and stayed in the city. He was going into the last semester of his sport in the fall and was training anytime we weren't working. So I was very much left out to dry. On a random Thursday night, I was dead asleep and had a literal voice scream from the void of my sleep to wake me up. I sat right up, heart racing, sweating, and I reached for my phone. Something felt super urgent in my soul. I checked my phone and had a screen full of texts from B. They were strained, but absolutely not urgent or panic-inducing. They looked like drunk texts, maybe? But even his English, his Spanish, and his Spanglish weren't phrased the way he normally typed. So I called him back-to-back at least a dozen times. No answer. And at this point, I'm starting to worry. Is that why my heart told me to wake up? Is he in trouble? I started throwing clothes on to go to his apartment when I got a video call from him. He was drunk. Happy drunk. Not scary, I need help drunk. Okay, with good. a bunch of his yeah. And he was with a bunch of his teammates and they were all laughing and dogging on him for calling me. I scolded him for scaring me and I could feel my body relax knowing he was fine. Just before hanging up, I hear the voice of someone in the background that I've never heard before, slurring some version of sleep tight, sweet dreams, and my chest clench like when you get a spike of adrenaline when you narrowly avoid a car accident. Uh-oh. It, I feel like it's in a good way, like in a, like, oh my gosh, my, like, there's like a fluttering in my body from that. Point. Oh, oh, I was totally picturing it as like something was, no. that person was about to do some harm. No, no, no. This be. is a good story. Okay. I ended up pacing my kitchen through the wee hours of the morning, trying to figure out if I was having some weird version of a panic attack, developing some bizarre crush on B, or if maybe I had confused an ancestor sending me some mixed messaging on what I was supposed to be doing with my life. I don't know. Friday, B and I both show up for our internship looking like the living dead. He was more hungover than I'd ever seen him, and I was incredibly sleep-deprived from the weirdness of the previous night. At lunch, we both headed off-site, and I finally grilled him on what the hell happened the night before. He said the guys had been celebrating because one of his teammates, who had graduated a few months ago, was accepted off the waitlist at the very last minute and would be starting graduate school at a nearby university in the fall. At the party, he lost a drinking game, and one of the guys got to steal his phone and text whoever he wanted without damage control until B finally won a game which is weird, but okay. At this point, I'm leaning towards my gift woke me up out of an abundance of concern, maybe for bullying. That evening, while I'm up to my eyeballs in MCAT prep books and studying, I get a flirty text from a number I don't recognize. I, ignoring all previous virtual safety lectures, text something back even bolder. And then all night, we text back and forth relatively tame, shooting the shit kind of messages. And then we text almost every day after that, doing the, hey, how are you, and small talk. I love that Jay doesn't know who this person is and is yeah. just 
talking. But but they know who Jay is. Yes. Okay. Secret admirer. Yeah. We texted about graduate school applications, pressures coming up to senior year, and family pressure. It was actually really nice. Towards the end of the summer, I get a text that makes my chest clench, just like the night of the video call. It says, you look great in white. You should wear it more. The shoes with the flowers are a nice touch. That is exactly what I was wearing. And I was out to lunch with B. And his phone was in his pocket the entire time. What the heck? I would be freaking out that I had a stalker. It feels like it. (sighs) Up to this point, I mean, I know the end of this story, so I have a different feeling. But yes, that's exactly how I felt at the beginning. Up to this point, I had a lingering thought that it could have been B. And he had been texting me this entire time. But no, because his phone was in his pocket. I start looking around and I don't see a single familiar face. B questions me, so I flip my phone and tell him I have no idea who it is. He chuckles and assured me that everything was fine and that the texter was probably stupid and harmless. I waited until I was home to finally text the number back. That feeling in my chest was setting alarm bells in my head. I decided to put my foot down and text the number that I would stop responding altogether if they didn't tell me who they were. They caved and gave me a name. Let's call him H. I searched online and it was one of B's teammates who I had never met. He played two sports, double majored in nothing close to what we studied and worked far off campus. Yes, my internet sleuthing skills rival the FBI. (laughs) I invited him to meet now that I had a face and a name. Lo and behold, H's internship was two blocks from B and I's internship. We met up after work, and the second he hugged me and kissed my cheek to say hello, I felt that heart-clenched adrenaline rush. Our first date felt nothing like a first date should. We had been talking for most of the summer, so all of the awkward get-to-know-you stuff was done, and we just dug deep right off the bat. Our first date lasted the whole weekend. Our connection was unlike anything I'd ever experienced, platonic or romantic. We talked almost every waking hour about everything from music to childhood pets. We candidly opened up about our traumas, mistakes, and fears. The trust felt innate and natural. After that weekend, we were nearly inseparable. Within weeks, I was certain he was special. I had intense dreams and callings from my guides that I hadn't experienced before. One night during our first few months together, I had left a black mirror I used for communicating out on my desk with a corked bottle of sand nearby, not on, but near the mirror. The way my tiny bedroom was set up was that my desk was butted up against the headboard of my bed. H slept over that night, which was common because we were inseparable. When I tell you I had the wildest dream, I couldn't even begin to describe how real and terrifying it was. I was conscious of everything. I knew who I was. I knew I wasn't in my current body and I was actually a guy. I was so panicked and I stood behind a counter in a very old timey shop. I had the scratchiest suit on and I couldn't stop touching my bearded face. When I found a mirror, I realized I was short and slender, a white man with reddish brown hair and a full beard. I sat on a stool and internally panicked when someone cleared their throat. It was a tall man with dark brown hair and he smiled with the same lopsided single dimple smile that H has. He quietly said, finally found you here. 
My heart felt warm and full, and I knew it was age. This scenario in different versions, genders, nationalities, and time periods happened all night. Me and H again and again and again, finding each other in different lives. Whoa. Oh my God, I have chills. This went from me being scared they had a stalker to thinking full on soulmate. I know. (laughs) That night, I slept 16 hours. H had woken up, gone for a run, showered, done some homework, and made lunch by the time I woke up. I don't know if this means anything, but when I got up, the black mirror on my desk was shattered where it had been. Like it was still a square, but it was like a shattered pattern you get when you take a glass dish from a super hot oven to a cool fridge too quickly. And the small jar of sand had spilled all over the mirror, despite the jar being unbroken. From my understanding... I am certain that this was my guides communicating that H is my soulmate and that our souls have found one another over many, many lives. And regardless of what social norms existed, we are a queer couple in this life. So it's so cool to know that we've been hetero and queer in other soul iterations. If you don't get it by now, H and I are still together 13 years and happily married five years. We are still inseparable and make all of our friends gag with how stupidly lovey-dovey we can be. (laughs) B is still one of our closest friends and was a groomsman at our wedding. I wanted to mention was about our soul fractures and the healing we have found with one another. Both he and I have been through some really traumatizing things in our lives. I know from my own soul that some of my experiences have impacted me so deeply that I know I hold deep cuts. I'd love to say that when we met, everything healed and I sailor mooned into a perfectly healed and happy person. As cool as that would be, it isn't how it went. We both go to our therapy to deal with our issues, but we have both had these truly inexplicable moments where it feels like our bond heals an old wound. An example I experienced was a few years into dating. I have a reoccurring nightmare I've had that I've had since I was a child that is a flashback to a traumatic experience. The details aren't important, and I don't want to traumatize or trigger any listeners. So I was sleeping that night with H, who was also used to having very vivid dreams and is very good at controlling his dreams. Flashback-style dreams had never, ever deviated from what actually happened for me. They replayed, and I couldn't change it no matter how conscious I was that I was dreaming. That night, while the bad person from my flashback had a tight grip on my shoulder, I could hear H and feel that fullness in my chest that I feel with him. The dream didn't continue and I slept without dreaming for the rest of the night. The next day, H excitedly told me about a weird dream he had and that I was there. He recounted my own flashback dream, but for (gasps) some odd reason, the bad person wasn't a person, but a small octopus in H's version of the dream. When the octopus started to attach to my shoulder, he cheerfully told me how he just pulled it off and threw it back into the ocean. (gasps) Oh my God, I am just (laughs) He's rewriting and... Oh my gosh, this is just reminding me, Sabrina, of some of the things you said in our Ladies and Tangents crossover with EMDR and having your safe team come in and react and like... Take down the perpetrators, rewrite your story with the people that are in your safe space. And I love that this wasn't even something Jay did. It was something that H did. H came in and did this in his own dream. 
And Jay said, still to this day, at least seven years later, I have yet to have that flashback dream ever again. I'm not sure what y'all believe, but to me, it feels like he was able to heal an old wound. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. I have like, I have goosebumps on my shins. That's when you know a story is really getting me when it's like, oh, oh my God. Everywhere. Tingly, tingly, everywhere. everywhere. I've shared with H how I believe our soul connection manifests for me in that tightening, clenching in my chest. H has had something similar happen to him, but it feels like someone blew a bunch of bubbles that are popping on his face. Oh, (laughs) it gives him the chills when it happens. So I'm lucky that I can see him physically react to it when it happens. When we first met, he later told his brother it was like a hundred fairy kisses. His brother, his brother looked at him and told him it sounded like a mini stroke. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, that is so love, cute. love y'all, Jay. Jay, what a love I story! Know. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. I just love Jay's dream of of going through and seeing all the different iterations of their lives together and having that recognition that it's the same person despite what they might look like you know that their soul like you are soulmates you guys over and over and over over and over again I also love okay because not only does this story require Jay for for Jay to not be weirded out by this unknown person texting them and then continuing to respond and talk and communicate without knowing Mm -hmm. who they are but it also required H to be the person to take B's phone at that party and start texting random people and choosing to take J's phone number because there was something about J that H was interested in. Right. And then start communicating. I mean, J described it before. I forget the exact words that they used, but some sort of like buzzing and tingling and excitement and nervous pit in the stomach hearing his voice. And H described it as a bunch of fairy kiss, a thousand fairy kisses. And so I wonder if they both just, it's nothing that we can even control. It's just like they, they knew they were like buzzing and drawn together, like two little magnets in love. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. And I just think, you know, there are a lot of people like J and H, it sounds like who've been through such dark, traumatic events in their lives. Yeah. But to know that there's someone out there, not that they can heal you, but that they can help you grow and bring light and love into your life despite the things you've been through is just one of the most beautiful and heartwarming notions of life. I know. And just even thinking about reincarnation too, like you you talking about what they had gone through. And Jay said that they had very similar experiences, traumatic experiences in their childhood. And it just makes me think we've, we've heard, there's many different theories about what happens after you die and souls and reincarnation. And it really depends on people's personal beliefs and religious beliefs. But in many of the near-death experience cases that you and I have either covered or just watched documentaries, listened to other podcasts, it does seem like your soul signs, if you go back to earth, there's a purpose, right? Like you sign up for some lesson that you need to learn. And the fact that J and H had such similar experiences when they were younger and that they're helping each other process and 
and grow from their trauma. It makes me think that they're even more bonded as a pair that like together they're arm in arm waiting for their assignments on earth. And they're like, let's do all of our lessons together. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh, this was such a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Jay, thank you for sharing that with us. Sabrina, thank you for reading it. It's all Jay. It was all Jay. Wow. Can take zero credit. Man, oh man. Okay. This is called, I now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs. Haunted. Ooh, one of us. (laughs) One of us. Or two of us, I guess. Yes, or four of us if we have Mr. and Mrs. Haunted. Or five of us, because I think this is about the ghosts. Else. We're just getting the oh, an infinite number of ghosts. So really, <laughs> it's it's all just, of you. It's a collective. Everything. Hey guys, I've been listening since my friend Morgan told me about you guys back in 2019, and I'm so proud of how far the podcast has come. Oh, thank you. Aww. I've been sensitive to the paranormal for my entire life, and have had too many stories to count. I am an empath with some clairvoyance, which gives me the ability to feel what spirits are feeling and use that to link to commute and use that link to communicate with them. I've been meaning to write you guys for the longest time, and I finally decided that today is the day, and I'm starting with my most wholesome story. Oh, love it. This story revolves around my friend who I'll refer to as Maggie. Maggie is one of my girlfriends from high school, and their friend group has stayed very close over the years. Maggie comes from a very close-knit family and was especially close with her father. He tragically passed away unexpectedly in the spring of 2021. Maggie is the oldest of her siblings, and her wedding was set for fall of 2021. He had been so excited to see her marry her high school sweetheart, and she Mm -hmm. was completely heartbroken when he wouldn't be able to be there to walk her down the aisle. Little did Maggie know, it would take more than that to make her father miss her wedding. As we all know, the veil is thinnest around Halloween, so it was actually very convenient that her wedding was just a few days before that. I had never met Maggie's dad, but I knew that he would be there, and I knew that there was a chance that I would be able to connect with him. The wedding was absolutely beautiful, and we all cried as Maggie's brother walked her down the aisle, and that was when I first felt her dad's presence. This deep pride that I can only describe as a father's love. After the ceremony, we moved to the reception venue, and the sun began to set. That's when things began to get funky. Oh, we love a good funk. Maggie lives in a small town, and her family is very active in the community. There were tons of people at the event, and I had never met any of them. The only people I knew were the bride and groom and our small circle of friends. However, as I looked through the crowd, I would have vivid memories with these random strangers. I saw a middle-aged bald man with a striped tie and remembered standing side by side with our arms over each other's shoulders while we laughed and drank beers. With another random patron, I remembered us chatting at a church event. With another person, I saw us at a backyard barbecue and could even smell the smoke coming from the grill. Certain people would give me positive, neutral, or even negative feelings. I felt like I knew everyone in this crowd, but I knew it wasn't me. It was him. Wow. As the night went on, I began to feel these emotions and connections more intensely. It became more difficult to separate my own feelings from his. I was inexplicably drawn to two people. The first was a tiny little old lady, and every time I saw her alone on the dance floor, I was overcome with sadness, and I made a point to go and dance with her and chat with her. She turned out to be the life of the party. At one point, I was dancing with her while Kesha blasted from the speakers, and she said, 
Do you want to get low? Of course. Yeah. Duh. I later <laughs> with Kesha. Hell yeah. With Kesha. Yes. I later confirmed that she was, in fact, Mackie's paternal grandmother. <laughs> the second was the mother of the bride. I had a deep longing for her that I can only describe as the feeling of loving someone you can't have. Maggie's parents were high school sweethearts and very much fell in love even after decades of marriage and three kids. He missed her the most. He missed her more than anything. He knew his kids would grow up and that they would have their own lives, but his wife had been left alone. I have no doubt that they are soulmates. I danced with her at one point, and at the end of the dance, I leaned in and said something to her. What did I say? I don't know. <gasps> I was not, it was not a conscious action for me. She looked a little bit taken aback thanked me and went off to do whatever the mother of the bride needed to do. I feel like this is so wild because Bex just didn't even really experience the wedding for themselves. It was very much like channeling conduit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I guess spoiler alert, this was sent in by Bex. Oh, (laughs) I didn't read the name. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) this is from Bex. Okay. (laughs) Sabrina's reading along clearly. Yes. (laughs) I have not had a chance to ask her what I said since the wedding, and honestly, I'm a little scared too. What if it was something really weird or creepy? My girlfriend was the only one there that knew about my connection to the paranormal. I had never told anyone in their friend group, and it's something that I mostly kept to myself. I'd always planned to tell Maggie that her father was there, but I wanted to wait. I wanted her night to be about her, but he was persistent. Tell her I'm here. Tell her I'm sorry. Tell her how much I love her. (laughs) After the guests had started to leave and the party was dying down, I asked Maggie if I could talk to her in private for a minute. Of course, the only place that was quiet enough to have a conversation was the bathroom, which was a little odd, but it would do. I had not planned how to tell her, so I just looked at her and said something along the lines of, look, I'll answer whatever questions you have tomorrow, but I want to keep tonight about you. I need you to know that your dad is here. He loves you so much. He's so proud and happy for you. There's so much he wants to tell you and your mom and your siblings, but tonight you need to know that he's here. Maggie smiled and replied, of course he fucking is. He's so stubborn. I cried. Mm. She cried. And then we went back to the party. From that point, things took a darker turn. The happiness and pride began to be replaced by a bitter anger. Why wasn't he there? Why didn't he get a chance to say goodbye? Why couldn't he walk his daughter down the aisle? Why couldn't he be there to see his son graduate high school? Why did his wife have to be left without him? It wasn't fair. I was dancing with my girlfriend to a slow song, and suddenly it was all too much. I started sobbing. We went back to the bathroom, and I had a breakdown. I started venting to her everything that I was feeling, and she did her best to understand. I was so heartbroken for Maggie and for her family, but especially for her dad. It really wasn't fair. They were a happy family. He was a great guy, but he would never get to meet his grandkids. He wouldn't grow old with his wife. He could only watch. (laughs) My girlfriend and I got together with Maggie after her honeymoon and talked a little bit about her dad. I could feel that he was still present and watching over his family and his wife, and his presence was very warm and comforting. I didn't feel any of that bitterness that I had felt during the wedding. He gives them signs that he's there. He'll scoot plates around in the kitchen. There's an obscure 80s song that will happen to come on the radio when they're missing him the most. Little things like that. So let the takeaway be this. Always end conversations with, I love you. 
hug your loved ones a little tighter tonight. And remember that even if they're gone, they're still with you. Life is short, and we don't always know which goodbye will be our last. I've enjoyed, I hope you enjoyed this story, even though it carries some sadness. I'll write soon with more stories, including my scariest, the time I spent Christmas with a corrupted spirit that tried to kill me. Oh, I'll see you on the other side. Bex, they, them. Bex, this breaks my heart so much, but is also incredibly, incredibly touching and beautiful. And I imagine that this is like, clearly, I mean, Bex said that it became too much at a certain point, but yeah, having such this a ability, heaviness to carry with you. It's a gift, but it's also kind of a curse. Like I was saying, Bex didn't have any control over this and was saying comments and making comments to people that Bex had no knowledge of and didn't even, still to this day doesn't know what they said. And then was overcome with all these emotions and feelings and had to carry them for themselves, which must be really, really hard. But then also at the same time, for Maggie's dad, it was probably such a gift to be able to communicate with his family through Bex. I know. It's interesting too how they share the space. It feels almost like a possession, but it's not, right? Like Bex is absorbing everything that Maggie's dad felt and has all of his memories, but they're they're sharing the same space. Bex is still recognizing all of the memories that aren't theirs and all of the feelings that aren't theirs, yeah. but they're still together in this one body and Bex gets to be that vessel for him to experience the wedding, which is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that his presence is so strong that when they went to tell Maggie, Maggie was just like, of course he's here. Like, no shit. Of course my dad is here. Yeah. Sweet. Sad, but sweet. I know. There's also such a sweetness too to him just remembering all of the things that he experienced with all of his friends there too, right? Like he was clearly drawn to the wedding and wanted to attend the wedding for his family, for Maggie, but still got to think of the time when he was arm in arm with his buddy drinking beers and having a good time or at a barbecue with some of the other people. Which oh my God, I'm going to cry of, about this later. But, <laughs> this but so all of that is so, I mean, I can put myself into that mindset and understand how Maggie's dad could then shift later in the night and, and become upset and angered by it because it's yeah. like, here I am looking at all these people I love and reminiscing and all of these feelings and moments and they can't see me and I don't actually get to be there and touch them and physically interact with these people that I love. Like that is heartbreaking. I just started reading the book in five years and I'm not oh, very far it. into it. Oh, okay. Well, I'll spoil the first two chapters because I'm not very okay. far in, but this woman is I think she's engaged or she's about to be engaged or whatever. And she's so excited for her and her lover's future. And she goes to bed one night and she wakes up and it's five years later. And she's in a completely different area of town in a new romantic relationship. And then she wakes up again and she's back with that, that other, the like first person that she's with. She's going but back it feels and forth. So real, it feels so visceral that she knows that whatever happened in her dream, it couldn't just be a dream. So I meant the part of the book, like literally in the first couple chapters of her trying to map out what oh, so happening. she's trying to figure out what will happen between those two moments. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm so going to read this. Lauren told me to read it. Our friend Lauren. She was adamant oh. that I read it. Okay. So I well, bought it. So one of our listeners, and I'm so sorry that I don't have your name right off the top of my head, but they had tagged us in a story and they're reading the Southerners or the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Oh, that keeps coming up. I keep seeing people review that book. So I started reading it. It must be good because everyone's reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm only on chapter three, so I don't have Mm -hmm. like a ton of knowledge, but good books. Also, this has nothing to do with the books that we've been talking about, but you know how everyone talks about Jodi Picoult books? Yeah. Jodi has her own TikTok now and it's Jodi Pico. So just for everyone to know, we've all been saying her last name wrong. Jodi Pico. Oh, that's how you say it? That's how she's, she says it said. Yeah, so that's how we say it. Oh, whoops. It's kind of like when I thought Riley Sager was a woman. Yeah. And it happens. It's hard when you're man. reading. You make a lot of assumptions. And to be fair, Riley Sager writes all of his main characters are females. So it's like, I don't know, he's mastered the, the female narrative. And so... Mm. That's all. Some he's channeling someone in his life, some or some spirit. Who knows? Yeah. Planet.com. Mm, um. Well, Corinne, happy wedding, Brina. Thank you. Happy life. And per Bex's uh, message, I would like to end this episode and every episode with Corinne. I love you, Sabrina. I love you. Thank you. Everyone I'm like else. serious about it. You are more gentle. I'm like, I, I really love you. Oh, I really love Take you it, too. absorb it. Um, feel it. <gasps> feel the love. I feel like my hair went a bit like 70s over here. I know. You look like a rocker. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> You're going back Sick. to the side part. It was truly just momentarily when I went to go pee. And now it's... I like it though. You can rock it. I don't we have Grunge Sabrina entering the chat. <laughs> Um, anyway, we love all of you as well. Thank you for joining us. So much love to Corinne and Brian as they get married and start this new chapter of their life Thanks. as husband and wife. That rhymed and I did not mean for it to. We won't be married yet when this episode comes out. I but almost. Like but almost. It's coming. It's coming. It's imminent. Thinking about it now. Um, love you all. And thank you for joining us. If you have ghost stories, please email them to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You can also, like we said in the beginning of this episode, join us on Patreon for so many more hours of our voices and some exciting news and updates about, I don't know, potential shows in the future, access to tickets earlier than everyone else, access to recordings of those live shows, everything like that. And thank you to Christina for (laughs) editing this podcast every episode because we truly could not do it without you. It's very, mm-hmm. very helpful to have your expertise. Thank you. And we will see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Very smooth.